At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Son of a Butch podcast. We come to you every Wednesday. Solo edition of the pod this week. Uh, I just got back from two weeks. Uh, Adelaide in Australia. I was down there for the live tournaments. Um, I think it was a, a really, really interesting um, week. Uh, for live at Adelaide. I don't care what side of this debate that you're on. Um, and I'll keep saying this. I, 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 I just don't know why um, there is this debate. We are seeing great golf. We see great golf on the PGA Tour. And if you're watching live, if you're trying to say that you're not seeing great golf, um, I don't know what you're looking at because... I work with players on live and I see them doing the exact same thing that they did there that they did when they played the PGA tour. Um, I fundamentally don't understand why there seems to be this choice that you have to make between the PGA tour and live at the end of the day, it's golf. And if you are a fan of golf, you can watch golf wherever you want to. You can see great golf on the PGA Tour. You can see great golf on the LPGA Tour. You can see great golf on the DP World Tour. And you can see great golf on Live. And I think if you look at the caliber of players um, that are playing on Live, um, I think it's naive to say that they're not great players because that's where they chose to go to. Um, I think the way that the Live guys performed at the Masters uh, went a long way to debunking this myth that everybody that went to live, their careers were over, that they were washed up. Um, I think after the Masters, the narrative that a lot of people that are anti-live were trying to portray that the players were at war with each other and they didn't like each other. I think everybody saw that that was not the case. And um, I think you're seeing great golf. Um, I think Brooks Kepka, I, I I'm currently... Working with Brooks Kepka, Brooks is playing some of the best golf I've seen him play. Um, the way his golf swing is working, the way his body is working, um, the caliber of golf he is playing right now is very, very similar to the golf that he was playing in 2019 when he was the number one player in the world and went in majors at a pretty steady click. Um, I think Phil Mickelson, the resurgence of the way Phil Mickelson is playing after playing the way he played in the Masters at his age, um, the way he played over the last couple of weeks. Um, and my issue with the anti-live people are, I would say the majority of them um, have never come to an event. They don't watch any of the events. They don't come to any of the events. And everything they hear is rumor or hearsay. They are not part of the live ecosystem. Um, they're not in the locker room. They're not talking to the players. They've chosen to make up their own mind. Um, and there seems to me to be more of a push from the PGA Tour side to choose between the PGA Tour and Live than the Live guys. And I just fundamentally don't understand why you have to make a choice. If you are a fan of golf, you can choose to watch your golf wherever you want to watch it. And you can choose to watch the players that you like wherever you want to watch them. So um, I, I, I just don't get what the beef is. Um, to me, this, this current state of live versus the PGA Tour and this choice that, in my opinion, Jay Monahan and the boys at Pontevedra want you to have to make is we don't see that in other sports. And, you know, the easy, to me, there's NASCAR, and there's Formula One, right? And if you haven't watched the Drive to Survive uh, Netflix documentary on Formula One, check it out. I've been a huge fan of Formula One for a long time. And I think it's growing and growing in popularity. But if you look at NASCAR and you look at F1, it's motor racing. The drivers that drive on NASCAR and the drivers that drive on Formula One, 
basically all kind of started doing the same thing. They were started in kart racing and they did it at a young age and that's how they got into motor racing. And if you look at the, the product, one goes around in a circle. Yeah, there's a couple of NASCAR events that are road tracks, but the majority of the NASCAR events are in an oval track and they just go round in circles. And there is a massive, massive following for that. And then you have F1 that is kind of through street racing and different. So motor racing, different product, maybe different demographic, definitely different sponsors. Um, NASCAR, you've got Ford, Chevrolet, Toyota, um, F1, you've got Ferrari, you've got Mercedes, you've got Aston Martin, and maybe the fans are different. Maybe the fans are from a different socioeconomic background. I don't know. But what I do know is all of the best drivers in NASCAR and Formula One are all flying to every race on their own private jet. They all live in mansions. They're all making, you know, scary money. And nobody in those sports are asking you to make a choice between one or the other. So to me, all of this is just golf. And if you like golf, you can watch golf anywhere you choose to watch it. You don't have to make a choice. If you're making a choice for your own personal reasons, that's, I, I guess that's your choice. And, and, but you don't have to. And um, I think the products aren't really that diff different. Um, you know, yeah, 54 holes versus 72 holes. Um, there are people that, some people that like that. And um, listen, um, I think we're seeing good golf everywhere. Um, I think it's unbelievable to see the rise of Tony Finau um, on the PGA Tour. I think, you know, Tony Finau winning yet again. Um, he won a bunch of times at the end of last year. He hadn't figured out how to win before. He's figured out how to win. That's an unbelievable story. That's a great, great story. That's good for golf. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about, um, Taylor Gooch, uh, the golf that he is playing. He's won two tournaments back-to-back -back on live. And I'm telling you, this kid, the game that, that Taylor Gooch has is so, so impressive. Um, he's an old-school shot maker. Uh, whatever the hole kind of tells you it needs to, if it's a right-to-left or it's a left-to-right, he hits that shot. He can hit it high. He can hit it low. I was lucky enough to spend a lot of time last year with Taylor Gooch. He was on DJ's um, four aces team. And the guy is just so, so impressive. And I, I, I didn't realize how good of a player he was. I didn't realize all these different shots that he had. And in an era where a lot of the top players um, are kind of going to one shot and becoming one dimensional and having tremendous success doing it. Taylor's a little bit of a throwback, uh, a throwback to a guy that if it's a dog leg from left to right, he's going to hit that shot. If it's a dog leg from right to left, he's going to hit that shot. If you have to hit it high to a back pin, he's going to hit that one. If you're going to have to hit it low, he can hit that one. So it has been unbelievably impressive to watch him play. Uh, the, the two rounds, the, the Friday, Saturday rounds he played down in Australia, I mean, it was like he was playing a different golf course. The, the score, I mean, he was a million under. He took a 10-shot lead into the final round, um, had a little bit of a wobble. A bunch of guys made a run at him and ends up winning. And um, it was a dominant, dominant performance. And then we went to Singapore last week. Um, Sunday, he was in a, in a duel with Sergio Garcia and, and Brooks Kepka down the stretch and was able to win in a playoff with um, against Sergio Garcia. Um, $8 million in six rounds. I'll go ahead and say that again, $8 million in six rounds. And anybody that's listening that says, it's not about the money, it's not about the money, it's not about the money. If it's not about the money, right? And if golfers are just playing and it's not about the money, then why does everybody have an agent? Rory McIlroy has an agent. Justin Thomas has an agent. Jordan Spieth has an agent. Scotty Scheffler has an agent. Everybody in professional golf has an agent. Why do we know who Mark Steinberg is? He's an agent. He's Tiger's agent. The reason all these players have agents is to, newsflash, to try and make money. They're trying to make as much money as possible as a professional athlete. That is what every professional athlete is trying to do. Um, it will come across, I guess, to a lot of people listening that I am pro-live. 
I'm not pro-live. I want live to succeed because I am pro-athlete. I have never, I'm not, a, I'm not a part of an organization, right? I am a golf instructor employed by professional golfers, employed by professional athletes. And I, I don't work for the USGA, the RNA, the PGA of America, the PGA Tour. I don't work for those organizations. I work for athletes. I work for professional golfers. And I believe that professional golfers should be like everybody else. They should have the opportunity to make as much money as their talent allows them to make. I think Rory McIlroy should be able to go anywhere in the world and play golf and be paid to show up. I think Scotty Scheffler should be able to go anywhere in the world and play golf. And if an organizer, if a sponsor of a tournament wants to pay him to show up, I think he's earned that right by the talent that he has. So it's about the money. Um, the tour tried to put out this thing about legacy and trophies. And I think everybody kind of knows um, that that's not the case, given the choices that uh, the PGA Tour has, has, has chosen to make with designated events, no-cut events, upping the purse. If it was just about legacy and trophies, there would be no prize money. Everybody on the PGA Tour would play for free. So um, you don't have to choose. You can watch golf wherever you want it. But as someone that is part of the live ecosystem, and listen, that's not a choice that I make. All of my players just went to live. And because I'm employed by them, that's where they go. I think I don't know any, you know, I've talked to Brooks extensively about this, you know, at the PG or at the, at the masters, you know, Brooks was leading for three rounds and a lot of the media tried to portray that Brooks wasn't a live guy and that he was a guy that was looking to come back. Brooks is not looking to come back. Brooks just doesn't have any animosity towards the PGA tour. He doesn't have any animosity towards Jay Monahan. He invited Jay Monahan to his wedding. Um, he, doesn't have any animosity to the guys. He doesn't think that the PGA Tour is bad. He just has made a choice to go play somewhere else. And, you know, players in other sports make choices to leave other teams for financial reasons. And maybe it's just that we've never seen that before in golf, but um, it's here. Um, I think the caliber of play... I worked with PGA Tour players and I was on the European Tour. I started my career on the European Tour in 2002. And since 2002, I've basically been coaching professional golfers on the PGA Tour, except for the last year and a half. The golf that's being played on Live is no different than the golf that was being played on the PGA Tour. Everybody still has coaches. Everybody still has trainers. Everybody still has physios. So if they just took the money and nobody cared, then nobody would have a coach. Nobody would have a trainer. Nobody would have a physio. They'd all just be showing up, zero practice, not working on their body, not working on their golf swing because they'd all gotten the bag and they'd all been paid. Um, so this narrative that, you know, you have to choose between the PGA Tour or, or live um, is crazy. I mean, it's gotten so crazy that Chase Kepka makes a hole-in-one at a live tournament in Australia and I heard some clowns on a podcast trying to say that it was staged, that it was fake, that it it was it was it was a coincidence that all of a sudden a bunch of people had the footage and they all posted at the same time. When somebody makes a hole in one and you're at the tournament, you're going to post the video. My wife came down to Adelaide to Australia and was on the twelfth hole with her brother and my brother-in-law. When Chase made the hole in one, she immediately sent the video. You've got these clowns doing podcasts going, look like it was staged. Maybe a drone flew in the, the, the ball. And because it wasn't live and because it was tape delayed and because it was in Australia and it wasn't live in America, these clowns are saying, yeah, it seems like it's staged. So if it doesn't happen live on American television, that means that it's not real and it didn't happen. I mean, that's where we're at. And if you need an example of how crazy this whole thing has become, that to me is a seminal moment. You've got people that think somebody making a hole in one on a hole, kind of like the 16th hole at, at, at waste management, thinking that that was staged and rigged. If that's how far the rabbit down the rabbit hole you are with 
you know, the PGA Tour and all of their paid media and all the people that are trying to discredit Liv, then, you know, I don't even know what, what to tell you. But what I can tell you is the golf being played on Liv is the same golf that's being played on the PGA Tour. And Taylor Gooch is a legit, in my opinion, he's a legit top 25, top 15 player in the world. I think Taylor Gooch will have legit chances the rest of the year in the three remaining majors. I would not be surprised if he has a chance to win one. And I wouldn't be surprised if he wins one. He has the type of game that suits every type of golf course. He has the type of game that suits regular tournaments. He has the type of game that suits major tournaments. And the best part about Taylor is he believes so much in himself. Um, He's one of those players that quietly has this inner confidence of he believes in his own ability. He believes in what he's doing. And um, don't be surprised if you see Taylor Gooch on the leaderboard in a major sometime this summer because, and he's going for three live tournaments in a row, three live tournaments in a row. If he were to win Tulsa next week, I mean, he's getting close to $20 million this year in, in prize money. And again, anyone that tries to tell you that golf, professional golf is just about legacy and just about trophies, you're, you're drinking the Kool-Aid because Everybody playing professional golf is playing professional golf for money. The guys on the Live Tour are doing that. The guys on the PJ Tour are doing that. And I'm going to keep saying this. You don't have to choose. If you are a fan of golf, you can watch your golf wherever you want to watch it. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The Live Tournament down in Adelaide was was one of the coolest tournaments I've been to. Um, you can tell that the Australian golf public is starved for professional golf. Yes, they have tournaments. Yes, they used to have a tour. But they've never seen that many great players in one place um, at one time. And um, it, was, it was fun. Um, Fisher, the DJ, uh, he flew in from Coachella for 13 hours. He was in Australia for 13 hours. Played a DJ set, I think, Saturday night after the the, the round. Almost 20,000 people showed up to watch a DJ at a golf tournament. Um, I met a lot of people. I asked people why they were there. They said, hey, we never get an opportunity to see these great players. We want to come out and see the best players in the world. I had people say, hey, any chance that we can see the best players in the world, we're going to take advantage of that. Um, and I think... The best players of the world are players playing professional golf, not which tour they're playing on. The PGA Tour, they want you to think that all of the best players in the world play there. And that's just not the case. There are great players playing golf all over the world. And um, I think one of the things that's come out uh, really since the Masters is, you know, Taylor Gooch shoots, plays a great tournament in Adelaide. He goes down in the world rankings. Beats a bunch of players that are higher ranked than him in the world rankings. Um, and it's just, it's crazy to me that we still have this kind of debate. If you go to a live tournament and don't like it, that's okay. If you watch a live tournament and don't like what you see, that's okay too. But you can like both 
I believe the PJ Tour and Live can both be true at the same time. But um, I am seeing the same caliber. I've I, I've been saying this for months now. I've never seen Brooks Kepka work harder than he's working right now. He didn't work this hard in 2019 on his game because he didn't have to. Um, he went through a bad couple of years. He's trying to get back to being the best player in the world. He's trying to get back to winning major championships. He had a legit chance to win the Masters. Um, I think Brooks is going to have legit chances to win all three of the next majors. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Brooks Kepka won one of those. And yeah, I'm biased. You know, the reason I'm biased is because I coach him and I watch what he does and I watch how he plays golf. And I look at the rest of the players playing professional golf and I don't see any difference. And all these people that thought he was washed up and just took the bag and went to live and was going to be insignificant, I promise you, that's not going to be the case. And um, if you look at the golf that Phil Mickelson's been playing recently, um, it's it's pretty impressive. Um, if you look at the way Phil looked 12 months ago versus the way he looks now, the dedication and, and the work that he's put into getting himself in shape, and um, I think he is, he is flourishing um, on live in the role that he's got. I think he loves having a team. And I'm here to tell you guys, the team concept on live is real. It, it really is. The guys like playing for the team. Um, the teams that I work with, you know, Brooks is on his team, Team Smash. DJ and Pat Perez, who I work with, are on Team Aces. Um, pretty much every single time, we all get to the golf course at the same time. We eat breakfast together. We practice together. We play practice rounds together. The teams eat and play practice rounds together. Um, it's very much a team concept. So anyone that thinks all of this team stuff isn't real, I promise you it is. And looking at the players and looking at how much they've embraced that, but also looking at the fans, um, I couldn't believe how many people were buying merchandise in Adelaide. And you know, we were staying in downtown Adelaide in Australia. And on the weekend, we were going out to dinner and you just see people in town walking around with live merch and live team merch. And there are loads of people that are telling you they have no fan base, um, nobody cares, and nobody's interested. And I've been to every live event and that's just not the case. Um, so you can watch golf and choose golf. And there are some great golf being played. Um, Boyd Summerhays coaches both Tony Finau and um, Taylor Gooch. He's been on the pod before. If you get a chance, go back and listen. I think Boyd's one of the best coaches out there, but um, two really, really good young players. And I think the game is in a very, very good place um, because I think the caliber of golf that's being played is just phenomenal. I mean, you've got John Rahm again with a chance to win. Um, that's great for golf. Um, Sergio Garcia playing great last week. Whether you're a Sergio fan or not, I don't care. Um, Sergio's a great golfer, and it was great to see Sergio win again or have a chance to win again. And Brooks right there in the mix um, missed the playoffs by one shot. Um, if you look at the caliber of golf he's playing, um, he won in Orlando the week before le- week before the Masters, finished second at the Masters, and just finished second again. So the litmus test for me for professional golf, I don't care where you play, if you're winning tournaments and have chances to win tournaments, you're playing good. Um, so let's get to the questions. I put out questions yesterday on my Instagram and got a bunch of people, um, a lot of Brooks questions, obviously, um, you know, kind of asking kind of what we've been working on and, and what he's been working on. Um, I think the big changes that, and, and I've talked about this, but um, a lot of the stuff that we've done with Brooks's game is um, setup related. And last week, it, it's funny, Brooks had a chance to win the tournament last week and the range at Sentosa, the golf course in Singapore, uh, the tee was at the top and then it was a very, very steep um, dive down and then there was a bottom part of the range. And uh, Tuesday, um, I've never seen Brooks hit it worse. Wednesday, I've never seen Brooks hit it worse. And finally, he was just like, I hate 
downhill ranges because the ball comes out. It looks like it's going too high. He was trying to flight the golf ball down. So from Thursday onward, Brooks did all of his warmups at the bottom of the range so he could hit uphill. But um, a lot of what uh, we've been working on with Brooks is setup related. Ball position, um, setup, alignment. Um, every now and again, if you see Brooks on TV um, warming up, you'll see him kind of have his caddy, Ricky Elliott, stand in to where he's set up. And Brooks wants to know where he's lining up. So I would say the majority of the work that, that we've done in the last six months has been all stuff before Brooks hits the golf ball, making sure the golf ball doesn't get too far back in his stance and working on his alignment. All of the setup things in Brooks's, in, in, in the way he sets up to it, kind of are the domino effect to where he how he swings the golf club. So when the golf ball gets too far back, if he gets aimed too far to the right, um, then the, the takeaway doesn't get outside going back. He doesn't get it in front of him coming down. And um, it's hard for him to manage what the path and the face are doing when the setup gets off. So if you are struggling with your own golf swing, make sure you're, you're looking at the basics. They're not sexy. It, you don't see a lot of YouTube videos. You don't see a lot of YouTube videos. You don't see a lot of Instagram posts um, from all the golf influencers talking about grip, stance, posture, and alignment. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you that in 2023, grip, posture, ball position, alignment still have a massive, massive effect on how you hit the golf ball. So a lot of what we've done with Brooks is just setup related. And as a result of that, I think it's allowed him to know that, okay, I'm set up in the right place. My ball position is in the right place. And I can then go ahead and swing the golf club the way I want to. Um, the good thing right now for Brooks is um, all the misses are out of the center of the club face, not so much off the toe and not so much off the heel, which shows us that that he's pretty much where he wants to be. And he keeps saying that. Okay, okay, I missed the, uh, that one missed a little bit of where I was trying to go, but it's right out of the center of the face. Um, he's found a driver that he really likes. Um, he went up in loft, uh, at the tournament that he won in, um, Orlando. Uh, he's, he used a different driver than he used in Orlando that he used at the masters. Um, from the start of the year, he went from eight degrees of loft. He's up to 10 and a half degrees of loft. Now, um, when he had the eight degrees of loft, he just didn't see enough on the face and it really, got him to try and hit the golf ball up. Um, that's the death move for Brooks. Brooks plays his best when he hits down on it, um, especially with the driver. Brooks kind of cruises when he plays his best golf. He's probably one to one and a half degrees down on it because he likes to kind of be able to hit down, swing left, and hit that kind of bullet cut. Um, but I think we're going to continue to see Brooks play well. Um, I think his short game is very, very underrated. The work that he's done with Pete Cowan, um, he has hit some unbelievable short game shots when it matters. And, um, you know, he didn't necessarily putt as good down the stretch um, in Singapore last week, but he feels like his speed was just a little off. And, but Brooks is healthy, Brooks is confident, and I think we are going to see Brooks um, continue to have chances to win tournaments. Um, let's see. I got asked best golf swing ever. Um, I'm biased, but tiger 2000, that was probably the best I've ever seen anyone swing the golf club. Uh, since then, uh, I mean, Adam Scott, Nelly Corda, I mean, their golf swings are pretty good. I think Nelly Corda has one of the best golf swings in professional golf, men, women, boys, girls. I don't care. Her golf swing is, I mean, I got to watch it up close at the Women's U.S. Open last year. And uh, I mean, if, if Nellie Corda is hitting golf balls on the driving range and I'm on a driving range, I'm going to stop and watch because that's how legit good her golf swing is. Now, I think a lot of times people get confused with golf swings and that's kind of a, a thing you've heard me talk about on the pod before, this kind of technique versus execution. Um, if it was just solely on technique, um, I think Adam Scott and Nelly Corda would win every week. It'd be like figure skating. There would be judges. They'd be looking at the technique and they'd be going, giving 
Um, but that's not what golf is. Golf is execution. It's not technique. So when everybody, when anytime anybody asks me about golf swings that I like and who I think has good golf swings, I always make the distinction between aesthetics and function. And functional golf swings to me are way more important than aesthetically pleasing golf swings. Jim Furyk, Steve Elkington have the exact same amount of major championships, one each. They both won the players' championships. They both have vastly, vastly different golf swings. Steve Elkington, another guy that is a great, great golf swing. Um, The way he swings the golf club, beautiful. The positions he puts the golf clubs in, beautiful. But golf isn't about golf swings. Golf is about hitting golf balls and hitting golf shots. Um, I had a couple of people asked if I've been blacklisted from the PGA tour for working with Liv. Um, and what do I miss about the PGA tour and what's different about Liv? Um, the main thing I miss about the PGA tour is all the, the players and the caddies. Um, that's the thing I miss the most. Um, uh, it was so great at Augusta national to, to see a bunch of players and caddies that, Um, I hadn't seen really, you know, in almost six, seven months. Um, And that was really, really cool. Um, What are the differences between the PGA Tour and Liv? Um, I guess the obvious choice from a coaching standpoint, and this is just from my own personal experience, I get treated better on Liv than I ever got treated on the PGA Tour. Um, Rarely was I ever... The PGA Tour for coaches is all about where you can't go, right? Um, there's a lot, I can't go, I can't have breakfast or lunch with a player because I'm not allowed in, in player dining. Um, for a long time, we weren't allowed in the locker room. Um, it's, it's very, very different. Um, in my experience, this is just my opinion. Coaches, um, trainers, physios, and caddies are seen as part of the tour. Um, the PGA Tour and the way that the PGA Tour operates, um, you know, for a long time, caddies weren't allowed in the locker room at a PGA Tour event. Um, I can eat with a player. I can eat with a caddy and a player. Um, I don't have to pay for food. Um, at a PGA Tour event, I have no access for food, I have to pay my own food. Um, live um, the, the the hotels we stay in tend to be near or similar to the ones that the players stay in. Um, there's shuttles to and from the golf course, um, and and it just as a coach on live, you you feel like you're a part of the tour. You feel like you're important. You feel like the the tour feels like you're an important part of the player. And um, I never felt like that on the PGA Tour. I always felt like um, I was guest. Um, I really did. I felt like I was going to a PGA Tour event. I had a credential. Um, but then you walk around, you look at all of these people that work for the PGA Tour and they've got the alphabet on their badges, right? That means they can basically go everywhere. They park in the same places that the players park in. They're eating meals in the clubhouse. And everybody else is just kind of on outside of that circle. They're in the inner circle. And, and I think that's been the interesting thing. Um, in my opinion, a lot of the differences between Liv and the PGA Tour, it's been as much a um, business experiment as it's been a social experiment. Um, everybody that is part of Liv feels like they're part of something. And that comes from the tour making you feel like you're part of what's going on, that you're an integral part of the event. Um, And the tour, the PGA Tour, for however many years I was on the PGA Tour, and I was on the PGA Tour for a long time, I always felt like I was a guest. I always felt like, and I was treated like a guest. And I think you would, if you asked all the coaches that are currently coaching on the PGA Tour, they'd tell you the exact same thing. Now, there are a lot of people that say, hey, Lives only 48 players versus how many people play every week on the PGA Tour. 
obviously it's easier to make those changes. But every year at the Tour Championship, there's 30 players in that. Never allowed in the clubhouse, not allowed to eat, parking, never get parking, all of that stuff. Now, obviously, these are first world problems, right? I'm going to hold my hand up. These are first world problems. I'm not digging ditches, right? I'm not in a coal mine. I work with professional golfers. Um, I'm, I'm not curing cancer. But when people ask me, what's the difference? The tour, live, in my opinion, treats everyone better than I ever saw on the PJ Tour. And one of the interesting things I find about all the people that are anti-live is they've never been a part of the PJ Tour, never been a part of the live ecosystem. All of us that make these comments about the PGA Tour, um, from players, from caddies, from coaches, from everybody that has now gone to live, we were all part of the PGA Tour's ecosystem for years, right? So when we talk about it, we talk about it because that's, we lived it, we saw it on a daily basis. Most of the people that are anti-live won't even watch. They won't even go to a tournament. They they act like it doesn't exist. So um, when I get asked, what's the difference? Um, I feel more welcome on live than I ever felt on the PGA Tour. That's for sure. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Great question. Tour player coaching relationship you learned the most from. Um, I, I guess if I had to think about that, I guess it would be Trevor Immelman. Um, Trevor Immelman was the first real tour player that I ever worked with. I moved to Europe in the early 2000s. And up until that point, um, I'd worked in Vegas for my dad. Um, I was around for the glory years of my dad working with Tiger. And I'll be honest with you, when I worked in Las Vegas from about 1998 until 2002, I just kind of spit out what I heard my dad telling people. And um, he was telling people the right stuff, so it worked. But I didn't really know anything. I just kind of knew what I heard from my dad and watching other people. I had no idea what I really believed in the golf swing, what I thought made players better. So when I moved to Europe and started working on the European tour in 2002, Trevor Immelman, who is a very, very dear friend of mine, um, we're still close. I think he's doing an unbelievable job at CBS, but Trevor was playing in Europe and he was the first player that I ever really got to work with. And um, it was an opportunity for me to go, okay, I've learned all of this stuff from my dad. Um, I've taken in all of this knowledge and... Um, how do I apply it now without a safety net? Because before I was working in a place where my dad was around, if I got in trouble, if I wasn't figuring something out, I could say, hey, dad, take a look at this. What do you think? And he'd bail me out. So when I went to work in Europe, um, I realized that I didn't really know anything and I had to figure out what I believed in in the golf circuit. I had a lot of knowledge, but I didn't know how to apply any of it. So Trevor was really the first player that I was able to kind of go, okay, this is the this is what he's coming to me with as a player. And these are kind of the ways that I'm going to go about trying to help him get better. And I made a conscious effort at that time um, to not kind of seek my dad's opinion or counsel. Because one of the things I think is really important as an instructor is is you have to fail. You have to make mistakes. I think that's important in life in general. Um, and you learn from the mistakes you make way more than the successes that you have. And um, so I worked with Trevor for a number of years and kind of helped, I wouldn't say resurrect his career, but he was supposed to be a superstar at a young age and kind of not really develop the way that he had wanted to. And um, the work that we did together, he won you know some golf tournaments. 
Um, the first real professional win I ever had with a player was when Trevor won in 2003, I think, at the South African Open. He won the South African Open, which is a huge win for him. But that was a huge win for me. And I, and I, I learned a lot in the years um, that I worked with Trevor. Um, and um, I still look back on those days, you know, incredibly fondly because they were hugely, hugely important um, in my development. Um, so uh, I can't thank Trevor enough for choosing to hire me um, in 2002 because I don't think I would have gotten to where I'd gotten, I have gotten today and been able to work with the players that I work with if it hadn't been for Trevor giving me a break and taking a chance on me. And, um, you know, I'll be indebted to Trev for the rest of my life for, for doing that. Um, best way to continue learning about golf coaching books, podcasts. I think we're in a fantastic time. Um, if you're a golf instructor, um, that's the reason why I do this podcast, uh, is to try and, you know, give as much information as I possibly can. There's so many, um, outlets now. There's so many great things that you, you can, you know, watch and learn from. Um, I think the great thing for me is I think in the last, I'd say in the last 15 years, I've been exposed to so many people that are not part of the inner circle of golf. They're from other sports and they're from other, um, backgrounds. And, um, I have learned probably more in the last 15 years from non-golf people and tried to apply that to golf um, than I have necessarily from from golf people. Um, you know, I try and listen and learn from as many coaches as I can. I, I try and ask as many questions as I possibly can. Um, you know, when at, at Augusta National, because we're not allowed to go on the golf course in practice rounds, it's the only... Um, professional golf tournament that is coaches, uh, the rules at Augusta National are no coaches inside the ropes. So what that means is a lot of coaches have a lot of time to sit around because they can't go out and watch their players. Um, so I spend a lot of time with other coaches and, um, you know, anytime I can sit with Cameron McCormick, who I've had on the podcast before, anytime I can pick Cam's brain, I, I, I mean, I ask as many questions as I can. I'll show him swings on juniors that I'm working with or players that I'm working with. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Um, Phil Kenyon, um, who I've had on the pod, uh, who I think is the best putting instructor on the planet. You know, I'll sit and, and talk to Phil about what do you think about this guy's doing? What do you think about that guy's doing? Um, I had some really cool conversations with Randy Smith, who coaches uh, Scotty Scheffler. Randy is the ultimate old school uh, he's, he's in the vein of my dad to have the opportunity to, to pick his brain and, and listen and kind of hear what he has to say. And then I try and talk to as many players as I can. Um, Patrick Reed, whether you like Patrick Reed, whether you don't like your pa Patrick Reed, that's your choice. Um, I don't care whether you like him or you don't like him. Um, but as a golfer, the guy's a hell of a golfer. And, um, I've been, he plays a lot of practice rounds because he's on DJ's team now. He plays a lot of practice rounds. I mean, I'm videoing his his short game because the guy is just a genius when it comes to short game. I mean, I think Patrick Reed's short game is on a par with anyone. Um, and that includes Seve Ballesteros as well. Um, I know Billy Foster, who has caddied for Seve before, rates Patrick Reed's short game as being one of the best he's ever seen and just trying to pick his brain. So I think if you're going to be in instruction and, and you want to try and give lessons and stuff, you need to ask as many questions as you can um, and try and find as much knowledge as you can. My dad has always said that if you're a golf instructor, find the, the, the instructor or the coach whose thoughts and theories and, and opinions on the golf swing you disagree with the most and then go listen to them give a seminar. And you should be able to find something from listening to somebody that you def definitely didn't agree with and go, oh, I kind of like that part. So um, I try and pick the brains of as many people as I can um, and just try and get as much information as I possibly can, which will help me um, become a better instructor. 
Um, this is a good question. Do pro golfers have swing thoughts or is it solely focusing on landing points? Um, I think every golfer is different. Um, and I kind of look at golfers um, individually. Um, they all kind of learn differently. They all kind of need different things. Um, there are players that need a lot of information. Um, there are players that don't need a lot of information. There are players that want things complicated. And there are players that don't. Um, I work with two players, three players really, but DJ and Brooks, they want things as simple as possible. They, um, I don't try and impress them with my knowledge. Um, I don't try and impress them with fancy terms. Uh, we work on very specific things. I try and stay on message with all of them and try and keep them working on the same things because I feel like I have a good idea um, as her coach, as to what makes them great players and what makes them the best players in the world. Um, but I do think that um, you have to try and figure out if you're working with someone and they're trying to compete as a player, you need to figure out what makes that player tick and what makes that player good and how that player receives information and how that player absorbs information um, and what that player needs. Um, a great example of that is, um, at the live event in Adelaide, um, Pat Perez said, listen, I know we, I've talked about this on the pod before, um, the, the season finale for live last year in Miami, Pat said, listen, we'd been working on hitting a fade. And he said, listen, I need to, I want to go back to hitting a draw. And I feel like it's my job to listen to the player. And so we got Pat hitting draws. He played with it pretty good. We got to Adelaide and he said, listen, this course is really, really tight. I feel like if I could fade it, it would be much easier to me. And this was Wednesday afternoon of the tournament. And I said to Pat, I said, okay, we know what you need to do to fade it, but we've got to bust our ass. You're playing golf in a day and a half. So we had a lot of balls Wednesday night. We had a lot of balls Thursday. Uh, did a lot of work during the practice round. And then we hit a lot of balls after the practice round. And then we hit a lot of balls before Friday um, to get him back to fading the golf ball. And he had a legit chance to win and had a top five. And, um, you know, it was a really, really good week for him. Um, I think you have to listen to your players. Um, you have to ask your players what shots they're trying to hit, what shots they want to hit. Um, and again, that goes back to me saying that you need to, ask as many questions as possible. Uh, and last one, what body part initially starts the downswing? Single word answer. Um, I'd love to be able to give you one word answers for that. Um, unfortunately, um, there isn't a one word answer. Uh, I think it varies from player to player. And I think it definitely varies from what shot you're trying to hit. Um, if you're trying to hit in my opinion, if you're trying to hit fades, um, the difference in how you start the downswing is very different than if you're trying to hit draws. Um, and I think you've got to look at what your tendency is. As a generalization, I do think that, um, in my opinion, the downswing for the best players in the world um, starts from the ground up. Um, but having said that, um, the two guys that I work with that fade it, Brooks and DJ, um, we're always trying to have them feel like the golf club gets more in front of them on the downswing because when the golf club gets behind them on the downswing, they struggle. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a generalization, but if you're trying to fade the golf ball, the club needs to work more in front of your body than it needs to work more behind your body. But, um, I think you've got to look at what a player does and then say, okay, what are the keys to help them start the downswing? Some people feel it in their feet. Some people feel it in their knees. Some people feel it in their hips. Some people feel it in their chest. Some people feel it in the arms and the golf swing. Um, I just don't think there's a one-word answer to that question. It's a great question, um, but I do think a lot of it is swing dependent and is dependent on the type of shot that you're trying to hit. Um so that was a solo episode of the pod. Jumped around a little bit there, but um, like I said, I think with everything that's going on in professional golf, 
the most important thing for me is I think we are in an age to where we are seeing some of the best golfers um, and they are playing unbelievable golf. And I think golfers are playing golf all over the world on on a a myriad of different tours. And um, I think that if you are trying to pigeonhole golfers into only being great based off of the tour that they play on, um, I just don't get that argument because I think we are seeing some unbelievable golfers. I think we are in a very, very rich vein of form in professional golf. John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, um, young guys like Tony Finau, um, I think they're playing great golf on the PGA Tour. I think Taylor Gooch, I think Brooks Koepka, um, they're playing great golf on live. Um, I think Nelly Korda is playing great golf on the LPGA tour. I think there are great golfers and great golf swings in the game of golf, not on specific tours. The game of professional golf, I think right now is in a fantastic, fantastic place. And whatever side of this battle you're on that certain people want a battle to to be happening, I just don't think you need to sit. If you like golf and you like golf swings, there is great golf being played all over the world on a lot of different tours. And I am really, really excited about where golf is because I think right now we have some tremendous players. We have some great champions and I I can't wait for the rest of this year for the major championships to see, um, how this all plays out because I think we are going to see some great battles. I think we are going to see some great players winning tournaments. And I think we're going to see some surprises, um, you know, pop up over the next um, three majors. And I can honestly tell you, I am 100% here for it. And I can't wait to watch it. Son of a Butch comes to you every Wednesday. Can't thank everybody enough for listening. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will see everyone next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.